you do a dog a disservice by getting a dog that doesn't match your lifestyle. We spend more time researching restaurants and where to go on vacation than buying a dog. Listening to the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode 54 of the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host, Erin Scott, and thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited for you to hear from today's guest, Elizabeth Menegon, who is the creator of the Hands to Paws app, which you can download for free on your phone, either iPhone or Android. And what is really cool about the Hands to Paws app is that it will guide you through about a dozen questions that are going to help determine what is the right dog breed to fit your family and your lifestyle. And this idea of finding the right dog, having the right expectations, this has definitely been a recurring theme, a recurring topic on the podcast, especially over these last few episodes. And in case you're wondering, no, I didn't actually plan it that way. It just kind of worked out that way. And I think you're just going to love Elizabeth's story because she's not somebody who knows how to develop an app. Uh, She's not someone who is involved in the dog rescue world or in dog breeding. She's a pet parent like all of us. And she saw this need in the world to have a better way for people who want to own a dog to find the right dog for them because she just was seeing it everywhere. She was living in New York City at the time and she would just look around and be walking through the world and see so many families who had dogs that weren't suited to the life in New York City. And she wanted to come up with a way to help this problem. And I respect that. I respect anybody that takes a look at the world and says, there's a problem and I'm going to solve it. And Elizabeth has just a really fascinating story I think you're going to love. We're going to hear all about her childhood with dogs, what it's like living in New York City with a dog, um, how COVID impacted her life, COVID and the shutdown and the impact that that had on her life, both professionally and personally, uh, really made her life take a turn because she decided to start a business from her couch during COVID. She created a skincare line. She has the best lip balm that you've ever used. And she wanted to create a product to give back to animal rescue. Uh, you're really just going to love her story. Uh, I do want to mention for all of my rescue friends, Elizabeth is someone who works with responsible breeders when she's obtaining her pets. And she's in favor of more people working with responsible breeders. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know anything about this world, right? Like all of my dogs have always been rescued. All of my dogs always will be rescued. And I've heard people talk about working with responsible breeders before. And I am okay with that because I'm okay with people who want to further the breed of their dog. I'm okay with people who 
or using their dogs for the specific purpose for which they've been bred. But I don't know a lot about how to work with responsible breeders or find responsible breeders because that's just something that's never been on my radar. So I actually really appreciated what she shared about what are the qualities of a responsible breeder and how to find them. Because, you know, we're always going to find people in our life who think differently from us, who who aren't open to, to the idea of rescue. And, you know, that that's okay because now we can be better armed with information about how to make sure that they're working with a responsible breeder and, and not contributing to uh, backyard breeding or puppy mill type situations because Elizabeth is just as passionate as anybody I've ever met in the shelter and rescue world about not wanting to contribute to puppy mill and backyard breeder situations. And the other thing I just wanted to mention real quick before we get started you know, I've been really fortunate. We, we've done over 50 episodes so far, and I haven't had a ton of technical difficulties in recording. But for whatever reason, the technology gods were not smiling on Elizabeth and I the day that we recorded this episode. So the sound quality might not be exactly as good as you've always heard and expected. Uh, I've done everything I can within my knowledge and power to clean it up for you. I think you'll be able to hear it fine. It might just sound a little different than usual. And then in the middle of recording, uh, Elizabeth's ear pods died. <laughs> and so about 40 minutes into the interview with Elizabeth, if you're like, oh, that's weird, it starts to sound different again, and there's like, it's like echoey, maybe, uh, you're not imagining things that absolutely did happen. And I just, uh, again, cleaned everything up the best I could and just let you hear the rest of the conversation that we had. So it's just a couple, those last couple minutes where things might not sound as good as you would be expecting. So I don't think any of this will take away from your enjoying of the episode. So now let's get started. I am so excited for you to meet the creator of the Hands to Paws app. Elizabeth Menegon. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I always love to get started by asking about your childhood experiences with animals. Have you always been a dog lover? So um, I didn't grow up with pets. I got a pet when I was eight, but I always loved dogs. I never played with dolls. <laughs> I always wanted stuffed dogs. And I remember I had a stuffed Pekingese and my mom got me a little basket and I used to brush it. So at the beginning, there was something innate in me that was always drawn towards dogs. Uh, my first dog I got when I was eight, uh, my mom got a Yorkshire Terrier. It came from a pet store at that time. Um, he was wonderful. We had him for 18, uh, 16 years. Oh, wow. And then we, we got another dog after that who lived to be 17. Wow. So, <laughs> well, the smaller the dog, the longer the life. True, true. So I had, so my parents had him. And then when I got married, I had a dog, my first Italian Greyhound in 1991. And I had her She's a great dog. I actually have another one. She's, if you hear a bark, she's in the other room. Um, so that was really my um, experience with pets. My parents had an Italian greyhound. So I, I grew up with one pet, went out of the house when my parents had a pet, and then I got married and my parents had a pet. So until we 
I was probably 26, we both had pets at the same time. Uh, so, so it was nice. It, you know, if I ever traveled for work, the dog went to my mom's. I didn't trust anyone. It was like a child. I was worried about who was going to take care of her. So at a very young age, I was always attracted to dogs. I would see people with babies and I'd say, oh, what a cute baby. And then I would make a big fuss over the dog. So <laughs> there was something in me that was definitely geared towards pets. I always remember uh, growing up, uh, we had the pound puppies <laughs> and it was a cartoon on television. And I had the stuffed dogs and I never actually had any real dogs until I was much older. But uh, it is funny when we look back and can see like those inklings in us. <laughs> Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Well, I, I think what's happened um, with myself is over the years, living in the city, you're very aware of pets uh, because it's very hard to have a dog in New York. That's what I would imagine. The streets are dirty. If you have a smaller dog, sometimes life is really overwhelming. So I was very careful with my dog. If I saw you know, a big trucking coming down the street, she would get a little scared. So I would pick her up. I was always just aware of my surroundings, large dogs um, on the sidewalk. She wasn't a big fan of pet parks. So I would bring her home and then she'd go right into the sink because it's, I used to tell people, put your socks on and walk around the block in New York and then walk into your apartment without taking your socks off. I mean, that's literally what dogs are um, exposed to. Right. So so being so being a mom with with a with a pet that was treated like a baby, I always had an awareness of pets and animals. That's not my background. Uh, my background was human resources, recruiting. Um, and as the years went on, I was in another industry. Then I was in the hotel industry. I lived in the Cayman Islands. I lived in Nantucket. I lived in New York City. Wow. And had my fateful dog with me the whole time, another adventure. <laughs> and my final adventure ended up in New York City with a new job. And 10 weeks in, COVID hit. And March 16th, I left the office and worked at home until the fall. So quarantine, um, my beautiful apartment with these big, beautiful windows and all I could hear was ambulances and not a soul on the street. Wow. So it was kind of a very odd, it was a very odd time, but I had my dog and we had many conversations. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, what do you think, Vanessa? What's mommy going to do now? So that's basically where my journey started. So always an animal lover, always aware of dogs a little frustrated seeing people with certain dogs in the street that were probably not a good fit. So I was always aware, but I would never say anything to anyone. I think publicly shaming people because they bought the wrong dog is inappropriate. So that's sort of where my journey started with starting a business and starting like a soul searching journey, right? I think a lot of people during COVID said, well, there's no reason why I didn't get sick. You know, what, what can I do? What makes sense out of this whole event? And I think I wanted my COVID story to be a good story. 
it was such like a global pause button to kind of have a moment to kind of reevaluate where you were when everything had to slow down in a weird way, as much as, you know, it was a terrible thing, like in a weird way, like I hope that if that's the good that can come out of it, that yeah, it helped a lot of us take stock of, of our lives when we had that completely unexpected pause button hit. Sure. And I think it affected people differently. You know, I lived three blocks from the hospital. Mm. So it was just deafening. All I heard were ambulances 24-7 all day and all night. It was like living in a war zone. And it it, it becomes overwhelming. Yeah. And then you just start getting into your own head. And, you know, I, I live alone. So I was just in my own head. And you just get very creepy when your own head because you start thinking about stuff that you haven't thought about for 20 years, or you think about people where you start to reevaluate and say, okay, I could have been sick. I'm not sick. What am I going to learn? What am I going to do with this? And the reality was the hotel industry was over. I realized I had taken a corporate job. I was there for 10 weeks. I'm not a corporate person. I was in a very high visibility, a highly visible place is where I worked. I'll just leave it at that. And it was not for me. Um, I think being an empath, you're more tuned into people. And I was seeing things and feeling things that it just was not me. Right. So I said, well, now that I'm quarantined, my skin is drying out and I look like a leather suitcase and I was purchasing anything I could on, you know, all these sites. I just being in quarantine, you're just, your skin is so dry. You know, you're in an apartment building. Um, the windows open so only so far, there really was no relief. My apartment at the time had a beautiful hammam spa and of course, all these things that you couldn't use. Right. So. Right. I finally said, okay, now the mail is slowing up. People are, you know, cleaning their packages with alcohol. This is getting out of control. What can I actually do for myself? So I started looking online and researching, you know, DIY face scrub and all this crazy stuff. And I started to realize that this is really easy. It came very natural for me. Um, as far as ideas, a logo, what I wanted to do. So I took my stimulus check and I started creating product and I was I giving that. it to my, to my floor mates, you know, the people down the hall, I'm like, here, try this. And I'm like, Oh, this is great. And so I started giving it out to people and I had a friend come up, um, my friend Chris, and he came up and he said, Oh my God, this stuff is great. And I said, all right, take some with you. And then I thought, well, I have nothing to lose. I'm over 50. So getting a job in the middle of a quarantine <laughs> was not going to happen, right? So the reality is I was very limited. So I took my stimulus check and I sat on my couch for two days and I created an entire company in wow. two days. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> in two whole days. And I would never tell that to anyone. I told my mom that because no one would believe me. But there was something that just... I was focused and it was there. And I just, you know, I, I think it was just, it was almost like purging. It was like this creative purge. And I swore if the business was successful, I would create a product solely to give back. And I did. I created something called Possum Paw Bomb. 
I love that name. It's an organic paw bomb. It's it's the logo is actually my dog. Um, so um, don't tell her she'll want money. She'll want residuals. Um, it, and so I said I would give back. So it retails for $18. Half of that goes to Animal Rescue. That was the promise I had made. That's wonderful. And what do you use the paw bomb for? Do you use it for wintertime or does she get cracked paws? The paw bomb you can use any time of the year. Um, you can use it on their nose if their nose is dry. You can use it on their paws and you can even use it if they have a little abrasion or any kind of mark. It's not for wound care. Mm-hmm. It's really just for moisture. So the winter is definitely the best time. Um, the shelter that I was giving this the products to to use said it made a huge difference oh. because of the salt, the cold weather. Um, they would rub it on, especially at night, and it just gives that moisture. There's no cocoa butter in it. As we all know, cocoa is dangerous for dogs. So it's 100% organic. It's not for cats, just for dogs. And that was my sort of my karmic moment. You know, I realized that I had to to give something back. And I've always said having your own business is a luxury, but having a business that's successful is a gift. And you have to acknowledge that. So that was my commitment to giving back. No, that's amazing. That's like, I love to support any kind of business that's, you know, that's doing that. And, you know, I, I see that and I appreciate that in you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's not easy. Yeah. It's so amazing to just launch something. I mean, just that's, you know, when you get that inspiration and then, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm like capable of doing incredible things in a short amount of time when I'm properly motivated. And, you know, like, I feel like you had that moment where it's like, I'm going to you know, change everything right now. <laughs> well, absolutely. Because I realized that the job industry in New York was over, you know, when people were home, people didn't have jobs. So, you know, I was working at home until September, come September, jobs were eliminated. So I literally had to take inventory of myself and say, well, you know, what am I going to do now? There, there is no jobs here. I can't, I'm living in the city my lease isn't up until June. I need to figure something out. Right. So that's when I got started. So it was that January, February, around there where I just said, this is, this is, I need to be in Connecticut. So I had moved out um, the following spring and I wanted to build my business. In order to build it, Sugar Skin is really a product that's in you know, like high-end stores, like in the Hamptons, Connecticut, you know, just that high-end, really boutique nice yeah. um, home goods and um, photos and linens, picture frames, bath soap. It, it would be in a place like that, also right. online, but it wouldn't be in a place like that. Yeah. So I knew that I had to do guerrilla marketing. I had to like get out and knock on doors and say, would you like to carry the product? Oh, was that something new to you? Oh, jeez. Listen, if you've, unless you've got a famous relative, starting your own business today is really difficult because it's the old days of knocking on a door. Here's some product. This is what it's about. Let me know what you think. So as far as the packaging, it was very simplistic, but it, there was some little thoughtful touches that would be 
included on the packaging. So you could tell that it wasn't just a lip balm or it just wasn't, you know, the run of the mill product. The edge that my products have are the fact that there's no water and there's no alcohol. When you introduce water, you now have to introduce stabilizers and chemicals for shelf life. So not one of my products has water or alcohol. So it truly is 100% organic. Oh, that's wonderful. That's that's right up my alley. <laughs> okay, so I need to send you, I will you will be inundated. I have the best lip balm on the planet. Try to get into Whole Foods. It's like, you know, you have to I'd have to sell my dog to get in there. It's impossible. <laughs> but it, it's great product and it's taken a life of its own. And I'm happy with that. That's amazing. And so how did the app come about? That seems like another oh. just totally out of left field thing. And and I just love I love this whole idea. <laughs> so, so I moved back to Connecticut and so let me back up. So being in the city during COVID, you would see people taking their dogs out. And obviously it was a little more difficult because, you know, you'd see a dog outside just, you know, going crazy on the sidewalk because it was in so much, but I started to see a trend and New York city is historically known for trendy dogs. There was a time, um, the Brussels Griffin, a pug, an Italian Greyhound, a Jack Russell, which is the worst dog you could have at an apartment in New York. Now the in dog is anything with a doodle in it. I was going to say a doodle. (laughs) I was going to say anything with a doodle, anything with a doodle and a miniature Australian shepherd which is a herding dog by yeah. nature. Yeah. So I was just so frustrated because I'm like, don't people realize, number one, where these dogs come from? Number two, these dogs are not apartment dogs. So when I moved to Connecticut, in one day, I saw three, it was on a Wednesday in August, I saw three miniature Australian shepherds from my parking garage to the mail, to the lobby, to the elevator. And I came into my apartment and I said, don't people know what they're buying? Isn't there an app that will help people? What are, what is wrong with people? Like it was, I was almost exasperated. So I went online and I started to fool around and I would find something that would ask me two or three questions, but it recommended a Jack Russell and a Labrador. Well, you can't make a suggestion for a pet based on three questions with one of them being how much time do you want to commit to a puppy? Everyone commits to a puppy. That's not, that's, that's not even relevant. So I started looking around, didn't find anything. And I thought I'm going to reach out to some web, uh, pardon some app developers, just, just for the heck of it and see if I can pitch my idea because There are hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of apps hit the market every day. Thousands of people come up with ideas and submit apps. But I didn't really think of it as a risk. I thought, why hasn't this been done? And how can I do this? I could see it in my head. I knew what I wanted it to do. Um, don't forget, I created a business in two days on my sofa. So how hard could this be? <laughs> Believe me, it, it was a lot more than I thought. So 
on a Saturday, I, I reach out to five people and they all got back to me, but only one said, I will speak with you, but we have to sign a non-disclosure. It protects you and it protects us. And I thought, that's the person that I want to work with. So that's how it all started. Wow. And so I went through your app, which is Hands to Paul's, which, and you have like a great name, a great logo, like it totally makes, you know, makes sense about like, we want to get the Paul's in the right hands, you know, like. Um, and the hands on the right paws. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, and I really enjoyed, like, I, I really thought those were good questions. And it's not a ton. I think it was about a dozen questions, but I was like, oh, I get, you know, like all of these things make sense to me. So how, how did you come up with what, what the questions would be? Well, I think being a dog owner, being a dog owner and just being logical and thinking, okay, what do people look for in a pet? And I, I think to fully understand how people buy puppy. So I knew what was important to me as far as getting a breed of dog. I knew that size of the dog mattered because I wanted to get on a plane. Um, I have allergies, so long-haired do dogs wouldn't work for me. And I live in an apartment. So a beagle or a dog that is really vocal would get me thrown out within a couple of months. <laughs> so I had expectations, right? I, I wanted a snuggle dog. I wanted a sofa partner. <laughs> I wanted a dog that was perfectly happy laying on the sofa and doing nothing. Um, and that's exactly what I found. So I thought, well, if someone's looking for a dog, what would be a deal breaker? So that's how those questions, and it's funny, they seem very basic, sort of like rudimentary questions, but those questions created an algorithm that then shuffles through the 220 breeds that are listed, that are, that are within the app. So the dogs that are in the app, and there's two things if you notice, we cover pure breeds and also, also if someone's looking for a rescue. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, it was like the politically correct right thing to do to enable rescues um, to be sourced because that whole community is very much against buying pets, which I have to say, you know, their moniker, adopt, don't shop. It should be adopt, don't shop pet stores or puppy mills or backyard breeders because responsible people who buy dogs from responsible breeders are not part of the problem. So I do appreciate like there is a distinction. Like I always sort of feel like if you are finding a dog advertised somewhere, that's probably not the best route because the people who are responsible breeders, like you kind of have to find them. They're not putting an ad on Craigslist or something, you know? <laughs> sure. And it's also, and here's the thing, it's also um, part of the app that is the most unique part. And what the app does is once a person is matched with breeds, they then click on that image and they're brought directly to the breed specific association. Oh, okay. That's, that's the difference. 
And, and I'll sort of break it down. Um, I think if people get a clear understanding of how actually puppy mills, how, how this all evolved. Puppy mills really evolved after World War II, but it, it was a way of farmers and people to make money because during the depression, people didn't have money for pets. They didn't have money to feed their kids, right. let alone feed dogs. So as after World War II, then you had that sort of that whole baby boom segment People were moving out, they were getting married, they were buying homes. And part of that was, let's get a dog. Um, where my mom grew up, where I grew up, breeding dogs was a sign of wealth. Wealthy people did that. My mom got a boxer, and I'll never forget, you know, she, her telling me the whole story where they went to this big, beautiful Tudor mansion and she had these beautiful boxers and the mother and the father were there and the puppies. I mean, this was like a sign of wealth. Only the wealthy did that. It wasn't until the 60s that farmers said, hey, I could take these chicken coops and turn these into dog kennels and start breeding dogs. So it sort of was in the Midwest. It kind of started, it evolved around there and there was a need. There were pure breed dogs that would go to a pet store, a little boutique pet store and people would buy them. Um, but that has changed um, and that's, we'll get into that. But so, so getting the right breed, using the app, answering the questions, getting the right breed and getting connected with the right breeder. That's the goal of the app. I think that what's happened today is social media TikTok, celebrities, social media, there is now a shift into hybrid designer dogs, not purebred dogs. So therein lies the problem. <laughs> so the app addresses a myriad, it's, it's a vicious cycle. Um, people buy pets two ways today. If you ask someone, they say, well, you go to a pet store, you go online. And those are the two worst ways to buy a pet. You're not wrong. <laughs> those are the two worst ways to buy a pet. I can only say that over and over again. Yeah, I completely agree. Again, my heart's always in rescue. So that's always going to be my first thing. And, and like you said, there are like breed specific rescues. So you can often find purebred dogs through the breed specific rescues. And so I appreciate that you take them to there as, as well. And it's always interesting to me how people come about finding the pets that they choose, if especially if it's not through like rescue shelter kind of world. So again, it's great to have this resource to send people. I just see an epidemic of like mismatched pets with people and kind of like choosing the wrong factors that we're looking at. And so, you know, Correct. I just, I just love this whole idea. <laughs> it, so to keep it simple for people, I think, um, again, so it's, it's, we have to talk backwards before we move forwards. So people today buy dogs from a pet store and from online breeders. So online breeders can be backyard breeders. And what classifies a backyard breeder is someone who has various breeds of dogs. 
pugs, Yorkies, a French bull, a Chinese crested, and they mate them. <laughs> and they're hoping they're going to get a multi-poo, started out as a backyard breeder, right? A cockapoo and also a puggle. These people want the next, oh my God, everyone's got to have it. Palm schemes. You're seeing Pomeranians and Huskies being bred together. There are hundreds of dogs that are being bred, crossbred. The problem with that is each breed has their own genetic issues. And like you said, each breed, nature is fascinating. Each breed has a purpose, right? It has a purpose. So if you love a Welsh Corgi, that's terrific. But if you live in an apartment, they're a working dog. So if you're wondering why they're pushing the pillows off the sofa or they're nipping at, you know, your kids, they're trying to herd them. So you do a dog a disservice by getting a dog that doesn't match your lifestyle because now you're trying to change the dog. My dog has behavioral issues. No, it doesn't. You just don't live in a house with a yard where it can be free and do what it feels that it needs to do. So that becomes an issue. Every, you've never seen an ugly puppy. Never. Every, a puppy is a universal language. You can walk down the street and everyone will stop and say, what a cute puppy. So you go into a pet store, right? They have the cutest puppies in the window. And you say, let's just go look. That is the kiss of death when you say that. <laughs> because you go in, you fall in love with a puppy. You don't even know what it is. You just fell in love with it. You go home and that's when it starts. It came from a puppy mill. I would very gladly take on anyone who wants to debate that. Every single pet in a pet store comes from a puppy mill or a backyard breeder, plain and simple. You now have a dog that may have genetic issues that come later in life. You now have a dog that you said, oh, gee, I didn't realize Cocker Spaniels actually had to get a haircut every month or every two months. You mean that's not how they look? No. So now someone bought a dog that they didn't realize has a lot of maintenance that ends up an owner surrender. 60% of owner surrenders to shelters. Now, these are people who bring their own pets in are for two reasons. It's the wrong fit and medical issues. What happens is people will, I don't know, four years down the road, your bulldog that you bought at a pet store is sick. You bring it to the vet, you find out it's got a heart condition, and the vet says, that's probably about $7,000. And then the owner says, thank you very much. They leave, they go to the nearest shelter, and they say, we're moving to Iceland, and we can't bring our dog because they can't afford it. And then, of course, all the due diligence that the rescues perform, they bring it to the vet. And then all of a sudden they say, oh, my God, he's sick. And now they have to raise the funds right. to fix the dog and then get the dog adopted out. Imagine if people just got the right breed from the right resource. Right. And people say, well, you know, all breeders are bad. So 
that's so let me explain the breeder side, which the average person has no idea. People who breed to show or their handlers are very meticulous and it is a science when it comes down to breeding because they want the perfect show dog. Every breed has a breed specific. If you breed um, pugs and your pug is born with a blue eye, that's called a DQ, a disqualifier or a fault. That dog cannot be shown. Right. If your dog has, I don't know, a white spot on it, can't be a show dog. So in a litter of beautiful puppies that are bred with the hopes of having a champion winner because these people breed and then they do local dog shows, national dog shows. Ultimately, they end up at Westminster. So they're in it for the integrity of the breed. Right. They have their breeding down to a science. This one will be bred with this one. Um, they literally have it down to breeding with show quality, show winners. That's their ultimate goal. But what about the puppies that can't be shown? They're house pets. People don't realize that you can get a beautiful dog that just can't be a show dog. And with that comes a contract. You cannot breed the dog, you can't show the dog, and you can't give the dog away. Right. If the dog is sick, you contact the breeder. So when people say, well, what makes a good breeder? That's a good breeder. That's what when the breeder it, yes. says, under any circumstances, this dog will go nowhere except here. Yes. That's when you know you're in the right place. Yes. And also the breed specific associations that people are referred to in the app, they have their own bylaws. If you fool around there and they catch you selling online, giving a puppy to a raffle, um, giving a dog to a pet store, it's over. They literally kick you out and you are like, branded for life that you're a bad person i mean they're really brutal but it's all about the integrity of, of the breed right so the last person you want to upset are the people in your own association so that's where i tell people to go you want to buy a dog you go to the breed association website and every website for every dog recognized by american kennel has an association group and it's got rescues it's got dog show dates it's got everything you want to know about the breed and litters people are being fooled by online kennels that look like they're legit right because even backyard breeders can have papers that's right like that in and of itself doesn't make something quality, <laughs> you know? It, no, it doesn't. It, and, and to be quite frank, having an AKC registered dog means nothing unless you're showing your dog. It, right. it doesn't mean anything. It's kind of like a timeshare, right? You know, it's like, what do you own? Right. It doesn't mean, it doesn't guarantee the health. It doesn't really mean anything because show people 
are very particular about where their dogs go. And what the breeders love about the app is if they've been, if their dog breed has been recommended to you, they, you've ta- I've taken 20 minutes out of a conversation as to why they need to tell you that a Great Dane doesn't have a long lifespan and it drools all over and it weighs 160 pounds. So pe- the, the, the breeders love the idea of the owl because they're coming to them already being matched with their breed. Right. So, and, and another interesting statistics we spend more time researching restaurants and vacate where we're on vacation than buying a dog. Isn't that, isn't that mind blowing? That is. And your dog will live for 15 years and people will just go get a dog. Also another statistics, 40% of people who have dogs recommend their dog to someone else. So if I'm looking for a dog and my friend's got a Labradoodle, I'm buying a Labradoodle. So, you know, it's, it's, a it's, it's an endless cycle of people wanting what they want and they don't want to acknowledge where their dog came from. And all you have to do is do some research, download the app, get the right breed, get in touch with a, with, with a breeder for puppies. You will now have a dog that matches your lifestyle and you're not going to end up with thousands of dollars of medical bills for, for an ailment you don't want to treat, and then you dump it off at, at, at a rescue. So you, there, it's a win-win all around, but getting people to understand what they're buying is a puppy mill dog. That's the hardest part. Yeah, because nobody wants to think that they're doing that. <laughs> and They're and, contributing. Yeah. So there are a lot of places that are known for having puppy mills. But if you go online right now and type in Labradoodle, it's thousands. And this is, this is a breeding ground, no pun intended, for all of these people. There are people even taking deposits that are scamming people I've heard for that. pets that don't even, yep, don't even exist. Or we have an Instagram, which is hands underscore to pause. And every day we post something, whether it's, um, our app or just a tidbit or a dog trivia, but we posted a video of these little Pomeranian puppies playing and basically said, this is a, this is a, 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 you can buy this, you can buy this video. So someone's going to post a video saying cute, adorable chihuahuas for sale. Those aren't even the dogs. Like stock, stock video. It's, it's stock images and stock video. And then you say, oh my gosh, save a litter. And you send a thousand dollars and then it goes to a PO box and you never even see the animal. Um, So I think that it's easy to fall prey, but if you, if it's too good to be true, like they say, it generally is unless you drive to Ohio, get out of the car and meet the owners and see the mother and the father and the puppies and which one do you like? That's what I did. I met the owner in Rhode Island. I drove there, I saw the mother. So, you know, if you're not doing that, then you're gonna, you can end up with some really horrible stories. And I know there are great stories. I know people have gone to pet stores and 
you know, I had a dog forever. It's not the norm. And now it's twice as bad because now it's all about hybrid dogs. Right. It's all about mix and match and selling and selling dogs that are sick. Um, I, it's just, it, it can be avoided. It'll never go away. Puppy mills will never go away until large organizations take a stand on puppy mills, but they don't, they won't, and it'll never go away. But you can disrupt it by saying, you know what? I'm not going to get a, a pet at a pet store. I'm going to go to a breeder. I'm going to go to the breed association. I'm going to go there and that's how I'm going to buy a dog. And if people did that, we would have less dogs in shelters, less owner surrenders, veterinarian bills in 2019, an institution bridged $175 million uh, in extended credit for veterinarian bills, only second to orthodontia. Wow. So I tell people, if you have a pet from a pet store, you better get pet insurance because it may have a genetic issue that's going to come up five, six, seven years from now. So I don't think there's any point, you know, we don't do any shaming. You can buy whatever you want. It doesn't matter. We're just trying to reach the people that are open to listening and to understanding how to buy a puppy, where to buy a puppy and how like literally the puppy mills are booming because of the internet. Uh, you know, Kylie Jenner had an Italian greyhound. I, I was going to have a heart attack <laughs> because I thought, no, every 15 year old girl is going to want an Italian greyhound. I really do feel like there's an epidemic of people choosing the wrong dog for their family. And I think a lot of times it's based on, oh, it's adorable. Or, you know, I really like the fact that you brought up like that. Oh, I, my friend has a, a doodle or, you know, I want a doodle. And, and I feel like we, you know, I don't know if it's this, the consumerism of society, like we're, you know, we're not stopping to think about what's actually like a good fit. We just want something that's cute or has the look that we want to portray with our dog or, or whatever. Like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's funny you mentioned Kylie Jenner because, you know, like I remember like Paris Hilton was having like the dog in her purse and, you know, like that. Was mm -hmm. Wow. And, and every backyard breeder and puppy mill loved the, the fact that, that she had that because then they were breeding chihuahuas. They were overbreeding them and they didn't look anything like her chihuahua. Right. Right. And a very different look. You know, you, you can, can tell a purebred dog from a puppy mill dog. They don't meet the breed standard because they've been bred over and over and over again. It's, it is a business. And it'll never stop. But you can disrupt it. Right. Get the right breed. Right. Like you said, with the herding, like that's one that you see a lot um, with children, you know, because they want to herd the children. They're nipping at the children. Right. And, yeah. And then they say, well, my dog, my dog needs some sort of training because it's nipping at my kids. Well, that's because you bought a dog that's a herding dog. Right. So that's the end dog. The miniature Australian Shepherd now is a very in yes. dog. Yes. And that's what precipitated the entire, you know, hands to balls concept. Because I kept thinking, I think I was thinking badly for the dogs. Right. I kept thinking, oh my God, these poor dogs, you know, they need to be out like playing outside and, and, and have the freedom. 
So I always encourage people, especially if they're like first time owners, uh, to go through rescues, like you, and if they want a specific breed to go to a breed specific rescue. And, and I think sometimes rescues get a little bit of a bad rap because sometimes they want you to kind of jump through different hoops. Um, whereas you could go to a shelter and just come home with whatever dog you wanted. But when it is somebody, especially as a first time dog owner or not a very savvy dog owner, you know, that these hoops that they have you jump through are to try to ensure that it's a good fit for you and your family. You know, they want to meet the resident dog. They want to um, see what kind of yard you have to see if this is, you know, something that that dog would be able to scale. No problem. Or, uh, you sure. know, so, you know, I've, I've heard that, that complaint from people and, and I do always try to encourage people to, you know, you're not going to be taking the dog back. They're really going to make sure that you get the right, you know, they invest so much time and energy in, you know, into wanting to have a good match and wanting, you know, not wanting to ever have to worry about taking the dog back. To rehome them again, it's traumatic for an animal to be rehomed. Numerous times. You, know, yeah. you put them in a, in, a, in a situation and it doesn't work and you put them in a situation and it doesn't work. It's very hard for an animal. But I think, again, it's what drives someone to get a pet. You can't buy a pet based on looks alone. That's why I said to you before, all puppies are cute. My dog is an extension of me. And life is so much easier when you have a pet that blends in with your needs. The goal for the app is educate people, get the right breed from, the, from a reliable, reputable breeder. Here's my final thought. All you have to do is take five minutes. It's free. It's a free app. Download the app. It takes five minutes. Gets matched with it. Even if you're not even in the market to buy a dog. Or maybe you want to get a dog five years from now. Get a dog that works for you. But, you know, the app, I paid for the app. This is my way of trying to, of, to say, you know what, I don't have kids. I'd like to make a difference, right? That was part of the, oh my God, I'm in quarantine. What am I going to do? And I questioned myself and I just said, you know, I really want to leave something that makes a difference. And that's how I started thinking in a different way. And that definitely, when I thought about the app, I thought, this is what I want to do. Even if one puppy was purchased through a breeder, that's one puppy that didn't come from a puppy mill. So it's hard for one person to stand up to a mindset of millions of people, <laughs> right? But advertising, word of mouth, um, there are some other things that are coming down the pipeline that I'm excited about. But like I said, this isn't, this isn't my thing. I'm in a whole different business. You know, this was something that was so important to me that, and that's why it's free. It wasn't about money. I just, uh, I think that that's beautiful. I, you know, like I said, I, I so appreciate being able to, you know, there's so many people who see the problem. There's so many people who see people buy the wrong dogs, people get the wrong dogs. And I just, you know, I just love that you're like, okay, I can do something about this. You know, you yeah. don't have a background in designing an app, you know, <laughs> you don't even have a, you know, like a, 
you know, you're not a breeder, or, you know, somebody in, in that world too. Yeah. You're just a person that's like, this ends with me. Like I have the ability to do something about it and this is what I can do. And I just, yeah, it's beautiful. It just it speaks to my heart, you know? Oh, thank you. Well, it's also, people say it takes a village. It takes a village of people who actually care. If you're an animal lover, just say, hey, did you know there's an app that matches people with the right pure breed? It's an important conversation and thank you really because it has to be talked about and it has to be brought um, to the forefront. I'm one person who's trying to change something and I'm hoping that people will just take the resource. Yeah. Take the resource. Eventually the app, there'll, there'll be a part on the app where we can get feedback from people on the website, we're going to have, you know, a happy tales, puppy story section where people can, you know, show the breed and where they got it from and they'll get a t-shirt, you know, that's going to be the next, because we want to see how people, you know, make out with the right dog. But I think it's just talking about it and getting someone who cares, right? Someone, even if it's a celebrity, somebody who cares about the well-being of animals to step up and go, this is terrific. If Kim Kardashian said, oh my God, this app is amazing, the thing would blow up. Right, right. <laughs> it, would just, it, would like, it would like shut down. It would be inundated, right? Because people do what famous people do. So my hope is that that will catch on somewhere and that people who believe in it um, will, be, will, will support it because it's free. Right. I make no money. So it... That's okay. That's okay. It'll it'll make a difference, and I, and that's enough wealth for me. I just, I love it. I'll make sure that we have links in the show notes. By the way, I appreciate that it's available in both Apple and Android because I have an Android and a lot of times I get left out of the app. <laughs> we don't want to leave anywhere. And yes, you, you made a comment about rescues. There are rescues available. You may not have gotten one because it uses the same algorithm. So if you want a small dog, uh, under a certain age, it'll if if it isn't, it's a two hundred mile radius okay. of your VPN. So you can always go back. There are times that people may not get a match. There may be something that you just can't get. Hopefully, this will make a difference, and somebody will open their eyes and say, "Oh my gosh, I never knew that." They'll go out and get some amazing dog that'll change their life. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I'm so excited to be able to share about this app and I am so passionate about the right dogs getting matched with the right people. And just, it's amazing. And and you're wonderful for doing this and doing it all for free. I mean, that that blows my mind. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, I can't tell you how much it just takes a person that cares. So Let's, let's not talk about things. Let's do things, right? Yes, yes. We know what's happening with shelters and with puppy mills. So let's talk about how we can fix it. If you get yourself a pure breed, you have to let me know when you went on the app, if you actually went, moved forward and got the perfect dog that fits your lifestyle. <laughs> oh my gosh, we will all keep you posted. <laughs> And thank you so much again for having the interest. It's, it's there. It's getting the word out for people to 
to jump on it. It's free. It yeah. doesn't cost anything. I love it. I'll make sure we have links for everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. I am so grateful to Elizabeth for coming on and sharing the story of creating her Hands to Paws app with us. Make sure you check the link in the show notes so that you can download the app for your phone. It's fun just to sit there and kind of play with it too. I was really interested to see what I would get mashed with. Of course, I call all my dogs pit bulls. I don't know their actual genealogy or anything, but I did not get anything even close to being matched with any kind of bully breed type dogs. I just thought that was very funny, but I'm definitely going to keep this in mind for people who I know who are looking for a dog, you know, the people who maybe haven't had a dog before, or they're not as dog savvy, or they're, they don't exactly know what they want. I think this is going to be such an amazing tool and resource. And I'm so grateful to Elizabeth. Like she said, it's completely free to download. There's no ads or anything on there. She's not making any money on it at this time. She just cares that passionately about this issue of finding the right dogs and matching the right dogs with the right families. And I just feel like you can't get any more pure than that in somebody's motivation. And I just, I respect it. I appreciate it. I hope that everybody listening can help be part of sharing this with, with your circle of friends. And we can be all a part of spreading the word about the Hands to Paul's app. By the way, Elizabeth did follow through and send me some of her lip balms from the Sugar Skin line. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well, because she's right. These are the best lip balms I have ever used in my life. So order yourself a lip balm and also get maybe some paw balm for your dogs as well. And she has several horse uh, equine related products as well for horse grooming. So, of course, make sure you check all the links in the show notes. You can always find me at BelieveInDogPodcast.com, at BelieveInDogPodcast on Facebook, and at BelieveInDogPodcast with underscores between each word on Instagram. So, that'll do it for this episode of the Believe in Dog Podcast. So, until next time, this is Erin Scott sending you hugs and belly rubs. Believe in Dog Podcast is a production of Hugs and Belly Rubs, LLC.